but she will join uh, Sonia Sotomayor, she will join Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and David Soder as four hardcore Brian. liberals. O'Brien, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. As four hardcore liberals, correct? First off, he sounds drunk. Can't name the Supreme Court justices. Secondly, there are the four liberals on that court. Sonia Sotomayor, Ruth Bader Meinhof, Bruce Souter, Poland, Czechoslovakia, Holland, Venezuela, Africa, Hanging Gardens of Babylon, Switzerland. Okay, here's my problem. Bill Orley, Justice League. There, I got one. Justice League. Today's worst person in the world. Welcome to the Bottom Mine Huff Podcast. I am your host, Richard Huffman, expert in all things Bader Meinhof. This is the only podcast devoted to, yet unaffiliated with, the Bader Meinhof Group. We talk about the Bader Meinhof Gang, left-wing German terrorism of the 1970s, and other related ephemera. I want to thank my brother Mitch for finding that uh, funny reference by Keith Olbermann, who was channeling... Um, uh, Bill O'Reilly on an episode of Countdown this week, um, where he called uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, um, Ruth Bader Meinhof. And uh, also I want to thank, uh, thank, thank Andrew Andrew for inviting me on their um, East Village radio uh, uh, show this past weekend, or this past week. Um, it was a lot of fun. So today is, uh, it is um, May 13th in Seattle, but it's actually May 14th in Berlin in the morning. And exactly 40 years ago today in the morning in Berlin, um, the Bader Meinhof gang was born. So how was it born? It was born when, and and that's what we're going to talk about in today's podcast is the birth of the Bader Meinhof gang. It was born when Ulrike Meinhof, famous left-wing um, political commentator, journalist, TV personality, helped assist um, breaking Andreas Bader out of police custody. So a little bit of context. Um, Andreas Bader had been in police custody. He, in 1968, in um, spring, his girlfriend, um, Gudrun Enslin, him, a man named Horst uh, Sonlein, and a man named um, Thorwald Prohl, um, tried to burn down or, or did burn down parts of two different Frankfurt department stores as a political protest. And they had been tried, they had been released um, uh, uh, pending, a, pending a, a new trial, I think it was. And um, then they had fled and Bader had been captured. So Bader was in police custody in Tegel Prison in um, Berlin and his girlfriend, Gudrun Enslin, very desperately wanted to get him out. And at the same time, they had been talking with a man named Horst Mahler, who had um, come up with his own idea of he wanted to start an urban guerrilla organization to sort of battle the fascist forces in Germany um, through essentially urban terrorism. And um, Gudrun Enslin wanted Bader to help lead this group and very much wanted him out of prison. So they needed a, a, a way to figure out how to get him out of prison. So they, uh, they created a ruse, basically. They 
contacted um, Ulrika Meinhof and asked for her help. And she was a famous um, journalist that was well-known. And um, they asked her to contact her publisher to see about getting a book deal that her and Andreas Botter could write together. Um, and this sort of appealed to the German authorities when they heard about this book deal because it showed that Botter was perhaps going straight, um, trying to focus on bettering himself. So when a letter from her publisher came saying that we need Botter to be um, taken to this um, this research institute um, and meet up with Ulrike Meinhof to, to do research on their book, they agreed. It's something that's hard to imagine nowadays, letting somebody out of prison to go study for a couple hours, but that's what they did. So it was the morning of May 14th, um, and uh, and a car pulls up. Actually, I think it was a couple cars pull up, and Andres Botter is taken out in handcuffs um, to the uh, German Institute of Social Research uh, in Dahlem section of uh, Berlin. It's on, uh, the address was 83 Mickelstrasse. It's this tree-lined avenue of homes. This uh, institute is a, is a former home. And, um, and already inside, Ulrike Meinhof had been there for a while. And uh, in addition to that, there, there was a couple of girls that had been in there in the front entryway. They had shown up wearing these kind of garish wigs. They were young and they had been there the previous day saying we wanted to do some studying tomorrow. And the man said, well, that wouldn't be possible. We have a guest tomorrow, but they showed up anyway and they were just waiting in the entryway. So Botter was led into the main reading room where Ulrike Meinhof was already working and checking out the catalog and, and, um, they got to work. And I think it was the, uh, there was a woman who was an assistant librarian who suggested, you know, Botter doesn't really need to have his handcuffs on, does he? And so they took him off. And I believe there was a couple police officers there guarding, um, Botter and they set to work for a while. Um, at one point, the girls in the front entryway get up and they press the buzzer that releases the front door and allows um, some other people to come in. Um, the, the the two girls that were there originally was Irene Gorgans and Ingrid Schubert, and they let in um, Gudrun Enslin and a man who's never really been identified. A lot of people suspect who it is, but I don't think he's ever been identified. And they come in and they have guns, a Beretta in one hand and a bunch of um, pistols that shoot kind of tear gas canisters. And they rush in. And um, in the confusion, the elderly librarian, Georga Link, decide, or tries to push him back or he gets into a scuffle with one of them. And the man holding the guns kind of forgot which gun had, which, um, <coughs> pardon me, which hand was holding the real gun and which hand was holding the tear gas canister gun. And he shot Linka in the side, um, severely wounding him. He was bleeding profusely. Now, while this was going on, the police hear the, the scuffle in the room outside of them as the people with the guns go come bursting into the room and there's a fight and those tear gas canister guns get shot off in people's faces and their tear gas canister rounds are, are skittering across the floor in the room. Now, while this is happening, it's important to note that Ulrika Meinhof, she was just, 
she knew full well what the plan was, but she was not supposed to be part of it in terms of leaving with this group. She was just there to facilitate it. Her cover story was, I had no idea what was going on. I was simply working on a book. And, and if she had stuck with that story, it probably would have been believed. But, um, and nobody knows, nobody's really sure why she chose to jump out this window, but it might've been, she was looking through that door and seeing that elderly librarian with the bleeding side. And she might've thought it might've been a pure fight or flight instinct. It might've been, boy, I want to try something new, something different. Who knows? But she chose to jump out that window with Enslin and Gorgons and and uh, Ingrid Schubert and, and Andres Botter and flee into the uh, side yard and hop into a couple of waiting Alfa Romeos. And thus was born the Botter-Meinhof King. And what's interesting is she just made this decision on a total whim, but that changed everything. This It was her name that gave legitimacy to this group. It was, it was like Diane Sawyer or Katie Couric, you know, jumping out a window with Osama bin Laden. It, it was, it was what made it so prominent. So quickly the press, especially the conservative press dubbed them the Bader Meinhof gang, which is ironic because of course, uh, Ulrika Meinhof was not really the leader or she was a leader in the group, but she was not the leader. And if there was a co-leader of the group with Bader, it was definitely Gudrun Enslin, his girlfriend. But really, nobody seemed to understand that for five, six years. They did not realize, they always assumed it was Bader and his girlfriend, or Ulrika Meinhof, but of course they were not um, boyfriend or girlfriend at all. But it was Meinhof's name that lent notoriety to this group. It lent legitimacy to this group. People knew of her. They had seen her on TV, and uh, and suddenly here she was, a terrorist. So though she wasn't the the most prominent internal member of the group, it was her name that helped secure their place in history. Now, prior to this, Ulrika Meinhof had been working on a TV movie that she had helped write and, um, and, and put together for German, German television. It was called Bambula. And it was the story of this riot in this girl's home, kind of a, kind of a, um, uh, a detention school for runaway girls. And, um, and it was slated to air one week after she helped break Botter out of custody. So needless to say, this TV movie never actually appeared. Never until the mid-1990s when German television decided, I guess it was finally okay to air the movie. And air it they did. Um, and it's an interesting movie. There's, it's actually quite good in some areas and quite dogmatic and doctrinaire in other areas, but, um, really interesting. And it, and, and, um, if you look closely, you'll actually see one of the girls in the movie. I'm not, I can't quite remember which one it was, but one of the girls who was sort of Meinhof was sort of mentoring that ended up joining the group and becoming a member of the bottom Meinhof group. Um, but it also it just gives you an idea of what could have been with Ulrika Meinhof's career had she not jumped out that window and where she would have been in the coming years because that was definitely her other life. She was very prominent, but she threw that away and became a terrorist. So 
I just thought you'd want to hear a little bit about the birth of the Bader-Meinhof group exactly 40 years ago to this very minute on May 14th, 1970 in the Dahlem section of Berlin. Um, that's it for this week. I'm hoping to edit and put together an um, interview I did with a um, person who was a witness to the Heidelberg 1972 bombing that I interviewed about a month ago. So hopefully that'll be the next uh, podcast, which should be out in the next week or so. So again, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.